Welcome to the Bridgeway Community Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Bridgeway, visit our website at bridgeway.cc. To watch this and all of our sermons, visit our YouTube channel and be sure to subscribe while you're there. For sermon notes, click the link in the description. Today, our founding and senior pastor, Dr. David Anderson, begins a brand new series entitled, The Name I Need. Today's message is called, His Mighty Name, and Dr. Anderson will teach why the mighty name of Jesus is powerful to understand and leverage as mature and mighty disciples of Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's sermon. Today I have the wonderful opportunity of kicking off a three-week series. I'm so excited about it and I cannot wait to see how God is going to use the next three weeks of sermons in your life, but especially today. The name of the series is The Name I Need. Today I'm going to talk about His Mighty Name. Next week on Christmas Sunday, can you believe next week is Christmas Sunday? His Manifested Name. And then we'll end the year on our God Story Sunday, the last Sunday of the year. And I'm looking forward to that, his miraculous name. Now, there are a couple points of reflection that I want to make uh, in today's sermon. And I'm going to be coming out of Acts chapter 3. And I have so many things to say about the passage and really so little time to do it. And so I'm just going to reflect on one or two major points. I'll get through maybe just the first one. And then later tonight, if I don't get through uh, what I need to get through in today's message, later tonight at 5 p.m. on Facebook, I'll, I'll do a teaching, a reflection part two. If you want to join me, just go on Facebook at Anderson Speaks. We'll go live at 5 if we need to. But let's see where we go. Uh, by way of introduction, before I pray, let me just ask you, right where you are, to say your own prayer and ask God to help erect your antennas for him, that your spiritual antennas would go up so that you would hear this message at, at a more focused level. In other words, ask God for you to be able to tune into what I'm trying to say, even in my feeble way, and I may not be able to say it, he can take something very simple, and if you have the ears to hear, I'm praying that somehow uh, God will meet you in this word. So he who has an ear, let him hear what the word of the Lord and the Spirit of God is saying. It's in that vein I'm going to pray now, and then I'm going to make my way right to Acts chapter 3. Bow with me for prayer. Lord, may this sermon be pivotal in elevating and increasing our faith in you. For it is in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. What does in the name of Jesus mean? When you pray it or when you say in the name of Jesus, what are you actually saying and why does it matter? Today I'm going to take you to this scripture in Acts chapter 3 that truly sparked another level of faith and, and maturity and, and curiosity and holy disruption in my spirit during my time with the Lord. Let me take you there. Acts 3, this is a story of Peter and John who heal a crippled man. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. 
Verse two, now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg for those from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. May God add understanding and blessing to the reading of his word. Praise God for those who recognize you for who you used to be, but because you came in contact with the powerful name of Jesus, they can now see that you are different. Wouldn't it be a terrible thing for you to come into a relationship with God and have an experience with God and the people who knew you before and the people who know you after see no difference? But yet what we see in the text is that the people recognize this man because every day he was at the temple gate called beautiful and they realized that this man was crippled and he was lame and he couldn't walk. But an experience with the name of Jesus changed his life. And as a result, he is now walking and praising God and people recognized it. And when people see that there is a change in your life because you've had an encounter with Jesus Christ, they themselves want what happened to you to happen to them. But the point of reflection number one that I want to talk about for the balance of our time together is about the confidence of Peter. The confidence of Peter. What was it? What was it in Peter's life that made him think that he could say such a thing to this crippled man and that it would be okay. I mean, Peter must have believed that this man would be healed. Otherwise, to say such a thing to a man who'd been crippled for 40 years would just be cruel. While it'd be easy for me to focus on this man who was miraculously healed, I want to focus on the man who was a conduit through which the healing came. Peter, where did this level of confidence come from? By the way, would you be able to do this? Would you have the confidence to say to someone who had been crippled for years, in the name of Jesus, walk. What must have happened in Peter's life to make him confident enough to believe 
that he could command this so boldly. This is the same Peter who experienced that miracle in Luke chapter 5 when Jesus said, go fishing, and, and the fish flooded the net. This is the same Peter who witnessed Jesus heal the blind, feed the hungry, make lame people walk, cast out demons, and even raise Lazarus from the dead. Was this not the same Peter who walked on water when Jesus commanded him to come out and join him? Was this not the same Peter who lost courage and denied Jesus publicly, not once, not twice, but three times? And yet, is this not the same Peter that the risen Christ appeared to going after him and tried to restore him back to ministry by asking Peter for three affirmations? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And feed my sheep. Three affirmations to cancel out three denials. Praise God for canceling out our sins and giving us a new start. This is the same Peter who was in the upper room in prayer with the disciples as Jesus would ascend into heaven. And yes, this is the same Peter who on the day of Pentecost preached the gospel just a chapter before this one in chapter three where 3,000 got saved putting their trust in the risen Christ. Yes, something must have happened in Peter's life, right? Some kind of transformation must have taken place where he was able to speak so authoritatively in the name of Jesus and actually believe that what was commanded in his name would, would come to pass. Maybe it was when Peter said in Matthew 16, 16, when Jesus asked, who do men say that I am? Where Peter stepped up and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the risen, risen God, the living God. Or maybe it was that Acts chapter two, tongues of fire that fell down when he preached at Pentecost and gave birth to the first century church. I'm not sure. Maybe it was the combination or the culmination of all of those things that I previously mentioned. But the one thing is true, and that is this. Peter was changed. What about you? What about me? By point of self-reflection, I, I think about my life and my ministry, and I ask the question, has such transformation taken place? in 30 years of ministry. I'm not talking about salvation. Of course, spiritually, when I gave my life to Christ, there was new spiritual regeneration and new life that began. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about transformation. And maybe even beyond that, am I at a level and a dimension where my spiritual transformation and maturity takes me to a place where, where I have the faith to believe that the name of Jesus is just as powerful to heal today as it was in Acts chapter 3. 
Is it possible that beyond the level of salvation and even beyond the level of ongoing sanctification and transformation, that there is a level of transportation, not physically, but spiritually, where I am transported into a spiritual dimension of faith and authority where I believe that speaking in the name of Jesus has the power and the authority to make lame men walk. That walking in the name of Jesus has power to make demons shudder. That living in the name of of Jesus has the power to reverse cancer. I'm not talking about you, friends. I'm talking about me. You have to ask yourself the question of your own confidence in the Lord. I just see Peter and I say, how in the world can you say that to a man who's been crippled for four decades? That's either cruel and unusual punishment or you actually have a level of confidence at a dimension that few westernized Christians I see ever really walk in. So I'm talking about me. I'm not talking about the last 30. I'm talking about the next 30 if God allows me. Your pastor your spiritual leader, your brother in the Lord is on his own spiritual journey. But I can't be on this journey for you. And you can't be on it for me. We can't live our faith on credit, as Kevin Turpin said when he preached last week. And I'll just say to you that the 30-hour revival on October 30th, 2021, has made me consider my ways. Consider my dimensions of faith and power. Consider my own satisfaction with where I am and where I'm going. You know, I said, God showed me at that revival that I was living a life of survival. Keeping things from dying. <laughs> but he was calling me to a level of revival. Focusing on, on living in him in new life. But I believe even like one of our elders council of women said, God's taking us from surviving to reviving to thriving. Thriving in new dimensions. Being mature and mighty in Christ has to be more than a wristband statement or a theme for our church that we get around. For me, being mature and mighty in Christ is a journey that I'm committed to. And I'm simply inviting you to go there with me. And I realize that it's not about my sins. And it's not about yours. We will always struggle with our sins. And praise God that he's paid for every single one of them. But this is about more. It's not about sins. Friends, it's about satisfaction levels. Am I satisfied with the level of faith in my current dimension of safe, 
sanitized, westernized Christianity that puts my religious and theological doctrine in a well-ordered academic and cultural box. I am not. I'm not satisfied with simple transformation only, although I desperately need it. But that's not enough. I don't just want transformation. I want transportation. I want to go to a level where my faith is transported to a dimension of belief where I truly walk by faith and not by sight. Christianity can't just be about managing sin levels and holding on to safe theology. It has to be about more than belief in Jesus. It must be about believing in faith in the name of the very Jesus that I say I follow. Maybe for you it's the same. Maybe you ought to write in the chat, transport me, Lord. Transport me, God. Take me to another dimension. I may not be able to go there physically, but take me spiritually to a place of faith where I have to trust you. Maybe you write in the chat, take me to another dimension, God. Personally, personally, this means I need the name. (laughs) I need the powerful and mighty name of Jesus. And we don't just see in this story a lame man walking. We see a story of a secular and worldly fisherman transformed and transported to a level of faith where he could speak in the name of Jesus and cure a lame man. Peter and John didn't have silver or gold but they had the name of Jesus. They had something that you and I can also have. The authority in Jesus's name. You can't give what you don't have. You have to have an encounter with Jesus, but but they were able to give this man something that he could receive. He'd been receiving silver and gold a long time. It didn't change his condition. It just helped him sustain his life so he could eat or drink or tip those who would carry him. But it didn't change his condition. You see, philanthropy may change people's lives to a degree that they can sustain, but it won't transport them. It won't transform them. But when you come in the name of Jesus, it goes beyond philanthropy into generosity, and it begins to change people at a conditional level. And we all have access to this authority. In the Great Commission, the Lord tells us, not only to go make disciples of all men and women, but it says the authority that he has has been given to us. Listen, we may not have the same bank accounts or the same privileges or the same background or the same heritage or the same culture or the same education or the same family of origin. We may not have the same abilities or disabilities or 
advantages. But we all have access to Jesus. We may not have the same, but we can all have the name. We may not be the same, but we can all have the name. Somebody write the name, the name, the name. And who's that name? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I'm asking myself these days, do I have the confidence to believe that God will speak through me without me couching what I say? In disclaimers and half-hearted declarations and doubt-filled prayers, Prayers where I conveniently tack on the name of Jesus at the end of the prayer without truly believing in the power of the very name I just prayed in. Me and another pastor were talking this morning that when we're in other parts of the world, it forces you to rely on Jesus in a way that you don't have to rely when you're here in our own country. I have written in my Bible and it's been there for over 30 years. Jesus ain't all you need until Jesus is all you got. If they would have had silver and gold, maybe they would have given it to him. But when Jesus is all you got, you start giving people what you got. Maybe we have too much silver and gold. Maybe we have too many other options before we, well, got nothing left but Jesus. Maybe we're learning from the apostle that there is something that is beyond all the other things. We must ask ourselves, and I ask myself, is our religious faith just about Christian words and phrases and hopes and dreams that are nicely packaged in cultural religiosity, but devoid of true faith and the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit? Let me ask that again. Is our religious faith just about Christian words and phrases, hopes and dreams that are nicely packaged in cultural religiosity, but devoid of true faith in the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit? I believe the power of the Holy Spirit is working right now in your living room, in your bedroom, in your car, in your office, at your desk, through Verizon or T-Mobile or AT&T, through your cell phone. I believe the Spirit of God is moving even now. And I'm just going to keep taking you through this passage. Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4. I want you to see. He's been mentioning the name of Jesus. We saw the first 10 verses. And he talks about the name of Jesus. And now now the writer in Acts, Luke, in these two chapters, mentions the name of Jesus like nine times. You just saw one. And we'll get to Acts chapter 3, verse 16. You'll see it again. But let's pick it up. At verse 12, Acts 3, 12, 
When Peter saw this, saw what? The crowd of people who were astonished that this crippled man's actually like walking and dancing and jumping. He said to them, men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness, we have made this man walk? In other words, Peter knew that this healing was not about him. And it was not about his power, his own power. Peter knew that this miracle had nothing to do with his own godliness. And again, I've said it before, I'll say it again. It's not about your sins, my sins, even Peter's sins. We are not dismissing the need for righteousness in our life. I'm not dismissing my own sins. I am just dismantling their power to hold me back from accomplishing what God has called me to do and be. Some of you are stuck in places that your Christianity is about sin management. And what God is saying to you today is you need to dismantle the power of that that's holding you back from accomplishing what you know God's calling you to do. Trust him even with your sins. This miracle was about the mighty name of Jesus. And Peter knew it. John knew it. And now everybody in the temple courts are going to know it. Peter and John were making Jesus famous. Acts mentions Jesus's name, like I said, about nine times. And notice uh, the second and the third time in chapter three, verse 16. Acts 3.16. We know John 3.16. Go to the next book. Acts 3.16. By faith in, here it is, the name of Jesus. This man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus's name. It's mentioned again. And the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you all can see. It says Jesus's name twice, and it says in his faith. So there was a faith component that this man must have believed at the same time once they said, look me in the eye, and he says, in the name of Jesus, walk. That man had to have the faith to stick out his right hand and for him to get up and begin to walk. We see the name mentioned the fourth time in now chapter four. So we move from chapter three to chapter four, and we find out that the Sanhedrin and the leaders of the day, the rulers of the day, want to throw Peter and John in prison because what's going on is a big Holy Ghost party in the temple courts. And they're like, yo, what's going on here? We need to put these guys in jail tonight, and then we'll just interrogate them tomorrow. And in chapter four, check out verse seven. They had Peter and John brought before them, talking about the rulers, and began to question them. And guess what, guess what question they asked? Out of all the questions, they didn't say, how'd you heal the man? Why'd you heal the man? Was it you that healed the man? Out of all the questions, guess what they asked? <laughs> By what power and what name did you do this? Not that you did it. If it was in the name of another religion, if it was in the name of another cultural leader, if it was in the name of another guru, if it was in the name of medicine, if it was in the name of science, if it was in the name of anybody, it could have been in the name of their mama, they would have been fine. But they were curious that if this man could walk, it surely couldn't be in the name of the one that we crucified. And now they're claiming he rose again from the dead. And now this man right here is walking and he's not been walking for four decades. By what power and what name did you do this? And the fifth time 
name is mentioned is in the next verses, chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, (laughs) said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ, let me tell you where it came from, of Nazareth, who you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Wowza. Like no ambiguity whatsoever. Peter, so bold. Peter doesn't stop. I would be like, yo, Peter, you better slow your roll before you get in trouble. Peter would probably look back at me. We already in trouble. We've been in prison all night. And the rulers threw Peter and John in prison the night before anyway. That didn't stop them. It may have made them even more bold. In fact, by the time you get to verse 12 to see the name of Jesus mentioned a sixth time, it's as if he just says, David, I'm going to keep going. You can say stop, but I'm going to keep going. They could say stop, but I'm going to keep going. What confidence? Where did this confidence come from? But now he's going to get to verse 12. And he's going to say something like Mike Dropish. Guess what he says in verse 12? Don't do it, Peter. Don't do it, Peter. Don't do it, Peter. Here's what he says. By the way, salvation is found (laughs) in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Boom. Did you hear it? It sounds like a mic just dropped. You gotta be kidding me. This dude. Wow. What confidence. Could I do it? Could you do it? Well, I kept reading, because by this time I felt like the room I was in in my house was starting to levitate. I, mean, I just couldn't believe all of this. I'm reading this like it's the first time I've ever heard this story. My goodness. But then I, then I found something. Like, hold on, I found something. And I'm reading, I was like, hey, I, I, think I, found, I think I found the answer to my question. Here, I think I found the answer to my question about the confidence that Peter and John had. Remember I asked what happened to Peter? Remember I asked about this disruption in my spirit when Peter and John could speak so powerfully and so confidently? And then I kept reading, I got to verse 13. And it gave me the answer. <laughs> I was like, there it is, yay. Verse 13 cleared it all up. Verse 13 helped me to comprehend the power that John and Peter had. Check it out, are you ready for this? Here's verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, that confidence, 
and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men that were astonished. They were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. That's it. That's where the courage came from. That's where the confidence came from. They were unschooled, ordinary. But yet what was noticed is that these men had been with Jesus. Not only was it a sign of the apostleship of those who were with Jesus in the first century, but it's something that has been given to all of us that we can actually be with Jesus. And he says, greater works will you do than even me while I'm here. But I want you to notice what it says, because there's the answer. These men had been with Jesus. I feel like the message is too simple. It didn't say these men had been with religion. These men had been with cultural Christianity. But these men had been with Jesus. And if you would just, as 1 John 2, 16 says, which Pastor Jared's going to teach us about in the Thursday 30-minute segment this coming week, do as he did. Is it too simple? That just being with Jesus gives you the power to walk and live like Jesus? You can walk and live like Jesus in your own personal life, but you can never do any of the things that he did. I don't know if there's anywhere in Scripture it actually says that, is it? You can walk and live like Jesus, but you can't really do whatever he did. Or does it actually say the opposite, but our cultural Christianity talks us out of it? Walk and live like Jesus and do the things he actually did. And you'll do even more. Hallelujah. You see, when you have been with Jesus, I mean, when you have truly been with Jesus, there is a boldness and a confidence and a transfer that takes place that gives you the courage to stand in his name. And you don't need a degree for that. You don't need to come from a minister's family for that. You don't need to be a preacher's kid for that. You don't need to come from the right side of the track for that. You don't have to be a man. You can be a woman. You don't have to be Jewish. You can be a Gentile. You don't have to be from a Western cultured nation. They were Middle Eastern. You don't have to be an adult. Little kids came to him. You don't have to be grown and established. You don't have to be sophisticated. Peter and John were blue collar fishermen. You just have to know Jesus. You just have to be with Jesus. 
seventh time we see his name is in verses 14 through 17. And in verse 17, this is what the rulers said after all of this discourse for two chapters. The rulers, then they, it says, but to stop this thing, they were so trying to resist. They were so trying to stop this thing from spreading. And it says in verse 17, but to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in what? (laughs) In this name. Stop it. In verse 18, the eighth time the name is mentioned, then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all. In what? In the name of Jesus. In verses 19 through 22, you see James, you see John's and Peter's response. It says, but Peter and John replied, hey, judge for yourselves whatever, whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all of the people were praising God for what had happened. And in verse 22, for the man who was miraculously healed, check this out, was over 40 years old. 40 years. In biblical times was a generation. Did you know that? Before I get to my practical applications, and let me look at my watch. Before I get to my practical applications, I've got some declarations to make, and then we'll take this later tonight at five. But, but if this is your declaration, just stand where you are in your home. If this is your declaration, just write, I receive it, if this is for you. But let me say to you now, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus. So it is in the name of Jesus that I declare the following. Some of you have been crippled in the last generation and you will be healed and liberated in the next generation. 40 years is a generation and maybe you've been dealing with something for 40 years. In the next generation, you will be healed and liberated. I declare that some of you who have been, who have lived confined and bound and dependent for a generation like this crippled man, are now coming out of that state of paralysis and are being miraculously healed, you will walk on your own. I declare for those of you who have been injured in this culture from discrimination due to race or disability or gender are being released from that pain and your bodies and minds and spirits are being healed from injuries that have come from injustices, you are healed. I declare for those who have been injured and paralyzed by pain that comes from another's hand in your marriage, in your household, on your job, you will get up and walk into your new destiny and you will soar on wings of eagles. You will run and not grow weary. You will walk and not be faint. You are renewed. Finally, I declare 
that you will be free from the crippling sins of the past transgressions and that you will no longer be bound by a mindset of fear. The sins that so easily beset you will not beset you easily any longer. You will dismantle their ability to hold you back from your entrance into the next spiritual dimension. You and your sin will no longer have power over you, but you will have power over it in Jesus's name. Now, because my time is up. And I know the cameras are going to go off soon. Let me give you one of three practical applications. And the other two I'll give later on Facebook Live at 5 o'clock at Anderson Speaks. Facebook Live at 5. I'll give you one. And that's this. Bow now before the name of Jesus. Philippians 2 says, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the, listen, name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Not just at Jesus, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. First John 5, 13 says, I write these things to you who believe what? In the name of the son of God that you might know that you have eternal life. Friends, the name of Jesus is the only power and authority that can free you from whatever's crippling you in your life. And during this Christmas season, there's no other name, no better name, no name that is above this name that can free you from your sad, sorrowful and sick situation. And for those that have already received the name of Jesus, there is no other name that can take you from from a dimension of, of sanctification to a dimension where you're transported into actually stronger faith, believing that the name of Jesus will indeed perform everything you've called it to do. Listen, friends, Jesus's name is not a genie's uh, portion or potion in order to get magic done. It's the powerful name of Jesus that we submit to and we stand under. And when Jesus says that he can do what he said he would do, I've got to ask myself the question, do I have the confidence and the faith to walk in that name, to walk by faith and not by sight? And I realize that education is not going to do it, but spending more time with Jesus will. Thanks for listening to the Bridgeway Community Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Bridgeway, visit our website at bridgeway.cc. To watch all of our sermons, visit our YouTube channel and make sure you subscribe while you're there. If you'd like to download sermon notes, just click the link in the description. If you'd like to take part in our 30th anniversary challenge, go to bridgeway.cc slash 30. That's bridgeway.cc slash T-H-I-R-T-Y. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.